Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success. Welcome to the Faith-Based Business Podcast with your host, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. On this podcast, we interview fellow entrepreneurs who are willing to share their stories, their trials, and their triumphs in business, all in an effort to help you avoid the same obstacles and to achieve success faster. But at all times, continue to rely on our faith to see us through to victory. Now with today's guest, here is your host, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. Now, what is success? Well, many people may define it financially, others politically, still others as contentment. But what is it really? If you're like about 100% of the other people in this world, you've had plans go awry at some point in time. You've had some major setbacks. You've had some things turn out completely different from your goals that you had set going in. Is this because you did something wrong? Is this because the world was stacking the odds against you? Well, not all the time anyway, no. So how do we define success? Well, to answer that question, our guest today says that great personal growth only comes as a result of great challenge in our lives. For 28 years, John J. McKay has been a student of success, building and leading data analysis teams at a big four firm with a Fortune 100 corporation, and also working at the office of the Inspector General in Washington, D.C. One day while commuting from Chicago to D.C. to work for the OIG, he had an epiphany that uncovered the underpinning of all success. That epiphany led him to write the book, Leverage the Field of Success, Using Quantum Reality 
to succeed in the corporate world, which details how to use the core dynamics of quantum energy, the quantum energy field, expansion and balance to achieve higher levels of success. Now, this is going to be a truly interesting interview for sure. Help me welcome to the program, John J. McKay. John, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on the program and share with us today. I do appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Amen. Now, the first question I always start with is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is John J. McKay? Right. So um, first and foremost, I am a data analyst. That's what I've been doing for 20 years. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, over 25 years now. Um, so in all kinds of capacities across industries, um, different types of companies, obviously. Um, but in terms of as a person, I was born and raised in Tampa, Florida, uh, and in the Bay Area until I was about 12. Uh, and then we moved to Saudi Arabia. Wow. And we were there for a couple of years while my father worked for uh, one of the oil companies there. And then we were in Bahrain, which is a little desert island in the Persian Gulf. It's been in the news for one reason or another um, over the years. Uh, we, we were there for five years, and that's where I graduated from high school. Got my undergrad from uh, University of Florida. Uh, and then went to work uh, for a bank, a uh, regional bank in Orlando, uh, where I discovered something that surprised me, and that was that I was very interested in how businesses made their money. Uh, and so I, I took that sort of curiosity and decided to go back to school and got my MBA. Uh, and then after the MBA, I was hired by um, big four firm Pricewaterhouse, which then I guess was big six. Eventually became PricewaterhouseCoopers, PwC. I uh, was with them for 17 years uh, in Chicago, Tampa, Switzerland for three years, and then I finished back in Chicago. So that was a fun, fun ride. Um, and then I worked for um, in sales for a year and uh, didn't enjoy it and wasn't very good at it. <laughs> and that's why it only lasted a year. Uh, so then I decided to try uh, to strike it on my own. And that ended up with uh, uh, doing contracting at uh, for the Office of Inspector General down in D.C. Cool. And it, that's where I was commuting back and forth 100% between Chicago and D.C. Um, and one morning in the, in the corporate apartment down there, um, stumbled into the shower half asleep and had this sort of brain dump is what I call it. All these sort of ideas and concepts that were just kind of flooding into my head. And I scrambled out of the shower and started scribbling them all down um, on whatever I could find, you know, junk mail envelopes, scratch sheets, of paper, anything. Um, finished getting ready for work, went off to work, kind of felt different the whole day. Like it was just in a different place. Kind of like when you come out of a deep prayer and you're in this really relaxed sort of other kind of state. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was kind of like that the whole day, just this underlying residual feeling. But I left work that day on time. I don't. I usually work late a little bit. But I left on time and raced home and looked at all that scribble and decided to consolidate it. And so I put it on a, on a blank sheet of copy paper, white copy paper. I consolidated all the ideas down into just a list of 11. And I stood back and looked at those 11 concepts and I said, wow, these could be chapters of a book. And I immediately pushed that list away and uh, and went and got a pint of ice cream and channel surf the rest of the night. 
<laughs> because I'm a data analyst. And when you think data analyst, you probably think math and data and patterns and puzzles. And we like tough challenges. Um, writing is not our go-to activity. It's not what we jump, jump up to go do. And uh, so I was, um, it was an odd experience. I Wake up the next morning and I'm getting ready for work. And um, I decided to look at the list of 11 concepts to say, okay, let me see. If these are crazy ideas, then I'll just chalk it up to an odd experience and, and move on. So I looked at the list of 11 concepts right before I was walking out the door. And I was like, you know what? This makes a lot of sense. You're like, this is good. And so right there, I decided to commit to writing for 30 days and ended up taking about five years before it was finally published. <laughs> um, but it was, it's been, it's been quite the journey. You know, I enjoyed writing the book. I still enjoy writing articles occasionally. Um, enjoy obviously speaking on the topic. Um, and I built that nifty little quiz as well. Um, that, that, um, that maybe we'll talk about a little bit later. It's yeah. neat and then it performs a kind of assess assessment and recommendation, which for any of your listeners that are consultants, you'll, you're probably thinking, oh, no, he's going into consultant speak. But, um, but I just, I really enjoy speaking and writing on the topic. Amen. Well, you know, I, I've heard of, you know, quantum mechanics, quantum physics, but right. what is this quantum field to which you refer? Yeah, so and to, to, just so your listeners are aware, I'm not going to get technical. <laughs> I am not a quantum physicist. Um, um, but what it essentially comes down to three concepts, and that is, number one, if you've ever heard of particle smashers, you know, there's the big one in Geneva that everyone talks about, but there's also one just south of Chicago as well. Uh, the purpose of those particle smashers is to, is to collide particles the tiniest known physical objects in our, in our universe, in our world, to figure out what's underneath them. And what they discovered is underneath the tiniest of particles are just energy waves. And, and they're energy waves that we're still trying to figure out because they, they have some wacky principles. Um, but what we do know about energy waves, uh, not at the quantum level, but just in our regular world, is that um, when two energy waves intersect, they exchange information. So imagine you have one wave that has a bunch of letters and another wave that has a bunch of numbers. But when these two waves intersect, the wave of letters now has numbers and the wave of numbers now has letters. And this isn't theory, this is a well-established, you know, sort of classic physics fact. Um, so, when you consider that, at, that at the base of all, everything that's material in our world, you know, whether we're talking about our bodies, the table we're sitting in front of, or the floor underneath us, um, the bottom of all that physical matter are just tiny energy waves. Well, that means that everything, all those waves are intersecting all the time, forming a kind of large pat patchwork of energy waves, you know forming one massive sort of soup of, of electromagnetic energy. Um, in fact, it's interesting when you see interviews of quantum physicists, when they get to this part, their eyes kind of glaze over because they're, you know, and they'll say something like, you know, you know, what we think is real is not really real. You know, like this physical thing, it's not really physical. 
it's really just energy. And um, uh, they have a hard time explaining it. You know, it sounds odd, sounds strange, but it's, you know, that is the reality. The other thing is that communication within the quantum field is instantaneous. So um, if you took two electrons and you put one of them down in Australia and the other one, I don't know, in in Chicago, uh, these electrons will spin in the same direction because they were taken from the same atom, right? So suppose they're spinning clockwise. Well, if, if down in Australia, they change it and they start spinning it counterclockwise, the one in Chicago will immediately start spinning counterclockwise, immediately. And they've tried measuring the gap in time and they can't. We don't have any instruments that can get tight enough to, to, to distinguish a gap. And this is what's called entanglement. Um, so if you hear that phrase, it essentially means you know, two things that are, that are essentially electromagnetic magnetically entangled. Um, there's even stories of twins you know, who have, you know, one twin breaks his leg and the other twin's leg breaks at the same instant. Um, so it's, it's a fascinating concept. Um, but so you got three things. The base of all physical matter is energy. These energy waves intersect and exchange information. And communication within the field is instantaneous. And so with these three things, what, that, what it means is each one of us, every single instant, is connected to this unlimited resource, right? So, and we are always sending and receiving electrical signals with this massive field of energy. And so as a business person uh, or as a pastor, you would think, okay, well, if I'm connected to this thing all the time, how can I take advantage of it? Essentially, all resources are available to me, not just people, but things, you know, all kinds of stuff. So how can I take advantage of this? How can I use this to my advantage, to my benefit? Um, And that's that's the real question. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I wanted to get to this part about where I read, you know, the quantum field's core dynamics is expansion and balance. What does that mean? Can you explain it for us? Yes, yes. So, um, and, and the, these, the two, these are the two core dynamics of the quantum field. And it's what the, what's most important to the field, let me put it that way. All right, so if you want to take advantage of the field, you need to understand these dyna- dynamics. Why? Just think about your boss, right? If you have a boss and you want to get a good race in the boss, you want to align your goals and your direction with your boss. You can't go off into right field doing something completely different. Your boss is not going to give you a big race, right? right. They're going to say, hey, you need to get in line. So if you align yourself with your boss, you knock your goals out of the park, and you help your boss achieve their goals, then at the end of the year, that boss is going to pound the table for you to get that big race, right? The same with the field. You understand the goals of the field and you work and you get yourself aligned with that. You work to help the field achieve its goals. Then it will support you in your journey to to success, uh, whatever that success looks like for you. And so its number one goal is expansion. That's where expansion comes in. So everything in the universe expands, right? Uh, bacteria, viruses, coronavirus, unfortunately, is, is a great example. Um, plants, animals, 
humans, obviously, and even the universe itself. Yeah. Uh, our sun, our sun is expanding, but the universe itself is expanding, right? Um, everywhere in all directions. Uh, and that's another topic that freaks out scientists, but we'll, we'll leave that off the table for now. Um, so that's expansion. Everything ex- wants to expand, right? That is the main driver of the universe, of, of this quantum field. Um, what it wants, it, you know, it, um, the physical, physical structure of the field. The other thing is balance. If you think about um, a farmer, if a farmer wants to plant seeds, they're not going to plant them in dry soil and soil that's soaked and, and, and flooded. They're going to look for soil that is in a perfect state of balance so that seed can sprout and, and reach maximum yield, right? Uh, and that's why balance is so important to the field because in anything, if you want to achieve a maximum expansion, ideally you want to start from a place of balance. Okay. So if you take your workplace, if your workplace is out of balance, it's going to be hard for you to achieve maximum expansion until you can rebalance your team and get them working uh, collaboratively, right. In a a healthy balanced fashion, you're not going to be able to reach full expansion because your team's not in a balanced state. Mm-hmm. Athletes, same thing. You know, an athlete can't get four hours of sleep and go out partying the night before a big match, right? They need to hydrate, they need to stretch, they need to get sleep, they need to be in balance. Um, and businesses, if you're a manufacturer, if your suppliers are out of balance, you can't get your, your materials to make your stuff and then distribute it. You need your suppliers to get everything to you on time. You need your employees to show up, your employees to show up for work. You need the equipment to work, uh, help you know properly, and you need your distribution network to, to to flow as well. That needs to be in balance. When that's in balance, that manufacturing plant can hit maximum capacity, maximum expansion. So, um, so when you understand these two dynamics and that they're going on all the time around us, then you be, you can begin to align your activities. And the way you would do that from an expansion perspective. Is it simply focusing on things that you're drawn to, right? So if you're in a job that you're not happy with and you, you always want to try this other job, well, you know, follow that, follow that flow, right? And go do that. That is probably a nudge from the field. The field's not going to tell us what to do, right? Because the, the quantum field wants expansion. And if it gives you the answer, how are you, how are you, how are you growing? How are you learning? Right. But the field might give us a nudge. Like say, you know, maybe try this. And so do the things that you're drawn to, whether that means leaving your job or focusing on the thing in your job that you like to do most and talking with your boss about, hey, how can I do more of this? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that's this is what I really like doing. Okay. Well, how Uh, does those three things, the field that you talked about, the expansion and the balance, relate to spirituality as a whole and the Christian faith in particular? Well, um, there's so many examples in the New Testament. Um, You know, one of the ones that, you know, jumped out, jumps out to me is the parable of the sower, Mm -hmm. where the seeds are are sown on on sort of rocky soil. I don't remember exactly the three, but I think, yeah, it's rocky soil where the seeds might bloom 
if they do at all, they might bloom, but well, they'll bloom quickly and they'll perish quickly because of the sun and lack of lack of roots. The ones that are among the thorns, you know, they end up getting choked out by the thorns. Um, and then the ones that land in balanced soil that grow and are very fruitful. Um, that's a great example for two reasons. One is it illustrates the field itself, right? So you might be aware of the field, but you might not choose to interact with it, which is fine. You might be aware of the field and want to do something, but choose to surround yourselves with either uh, people or work or distractions that sort of prevent you from marching forward, right? You know it's there and you want to do it, but you're, these distractions or these choices are, are keeping you from, from really blossoming. Um, and then there's a third, which is being in balance and obviously blossoming fully. Um, so that, and that's from the field perspective. It's on, in a way, it's like, a, it's like a blueprint. Yeah. It's like a roadmap that says balance is important. When you're in balance and you're healthy, you will be productive. Uh, and that means not just you, but your your environment, you know, or, you know, everything you do. The more you work to be to to produce that fertile soil, the more you're going to yield. Uh, but the other thing I like about that is Jesus. Jesus is frustrated, um, and the reason why I, that really strikes a chord with me is because, you know, he had. I I personally think Jesus had some kind of intuitive understanding that everything was energy. And that there was this thing called the quantum field. Obviously, that the vocabulary wasn't there then. But um, I think intuitively knew that this was the reality. This is it. And so in his mind, he was trying to figure out the best way to articulate that through story to say, look, everything is connected. You know, pay attention because this is reality. So it, you almost get the sense like, it, like you know, in his frustration, when you start looking at it through that lens, all those times that Jesus was frustrated, whether it was with his own disciples or the Pharisees or whoever was challenging him, it was like, look, guys, this is, this is it. This is not philosophy. This is the way. Um, and then, of course, that's, that's reflected in, you know, love your enemy as yourself, right? If we go back to the dysfunctional work situation that's out of balance, and you want to work on getting that imbalance. That's important. It's important for you so you can reach your maximum expansion. But it's important for each one of those folks as well. You don't have to talk about the field as you go about rebalancing that team and getting them to a healthy state. But what you're doing is you're helping them become balanced. And when you do that, they're going to be more yeah, expansive. Amen. That makes sense. Yeah. They're Right. They're going to be more successful. Yeah. So, and you may not like everybody on that team that you have to work with to get it in balance, but you know that oh, this is the way it works. Let me try it out and see what happens. And so when you go forward and you work with those people who you may not even like that much, you, you know, it's fruitful. You're more collaborative. You're going to be more productive. Yeah. And that leads directly to, you know, a story like the Good Samaritan. You know, the Samaritan stopped to help someone who had been robbed and beaten when others wouldn't, even though I believe the other, the person that was robbed and beaten was from a rival tribe, basically, mm -hmm. rival clan. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, they stopped and helped him. 
And, and that's again, illustrates the connected connectedness of everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So from yeah. Jesus's perspective, we're all one yeah. and we are, and, and we need to learn how to grow and expand together collaboratively, even your enemies. And that's, also, that's where scripture came to mind where he said, you know, give and it'll be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And then it says, and running over men shall give into your bosom. Yeah. And so that's, you know, a lot of people, when they read that, they read it all together. But if you actually segment it out like that, it makes sense. Give and give and be given to you again, but not just what you give, because now you're blessing others. That's going to be in turn blessing upon blessing multiplied over given. And it says, and running over men will give into your bosom. Right. Exactly. It's that interconnectivity right here. Yeah, it it is the kind of um, um, authentic quality that people are attracted to. You know, people are, they want to work with you, right? And if you're and they, on the opposite pole of that, if you're stingy, you know, with everything, then the opposite would also be expanding in that direction. I guess according to your field, that you know. You, it's going to withhold from you as well. Right, right. So the field does not support destruction. Mm-hmm. And, and because if, if, you're, if you're abusing even one other person, you're hindering their creativity, right? Their, their, op- their, their chance or their opportunity to expand themselves. Um, and the, that's not what the field wants. But you right? also and say so, that, the, the only constant in this world is change. What Based upon what we talked about, you know, the field, expansion balance, if change is the constant, the only constant, then would you define those three as variables in the equation? No. No? Not, not exactly. I would define them as the orchestrators. They are the drivers. They, um, the field knows that you will grow more through challenge than if you're spoon fed, right? So it's just like the toddler that, you know, you tell them not to touch the stove and they end up touching it anyway. And they figure out, oh, that's hot. And by golly, they're never going to touch the stove again. Right, right. Right. Lesson learned, even though they were told the lesson. Amen. Amen. And, uh, it's the same with the field, the field, you know, and I don't know what the field exactly is, but this, this driving dynamic of expansion is paramount. Mm-hmm. And we expand most when we have to struggle with things and overcome things, even our educational system. There's, you know, started at, at the, 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 um, the best MBA schools. I mean, actually I may have started with Harvard, but project-based learning. Is something that um, school that's now down to element some elementary school levels, not for the whole curriculum, but for certain you know parts of the curriculum, mm-hmm. where they don't actually teach the concepts. They give the kids, the students, projects, and, and the students have to figure out how to complete the project, and they end up learning the mathematical concepts or the, whatever it is as they complete the project. 
So, um, and that, and the studies are showing that students retain their knowledge better that way. Oh yeah. And that's why the schools are starting to shift to that and go, gosh, how can we, how can we do this more? And so change is by design. It, it is the formula, you know, and because everybody's growing, expanding, things are always changing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, I don't have I don't have any theological proof of this, but my understanding based on all of this is that each one of us, the reason we're here is to learn and to grow, Amen. period. Mm-hmm. And um, and the field is going to set us up for that. Yeah. Uh, particularly when you intentionally are aware of the field and its dynamics of expansion and balance. Let's think about it. If you if you want to rebalance that team, for example, that dysfunctional team, and you're doing it because you want to make your goal of expansion, maybe you're the leader of the team, but even if you're a member, either way, you want to be most productive. And so you know you need to take care of this dysfunction. If you're doing that intentionally, well, the field obviously knows it, right? Because everything's connected. Um, and so when the field sees someone being a catalyst of expansion and balance, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to support that individual even more, which means more growth, more change, and more growth, and more change, and so on. So, um, Does the back- field, like, let me just use the analogy of closing a door. Like, you're going in one direction, and then all of a sudden a door closes, more or less forcing you to seek out another door. Is that a, an analogy that would relate to what we're talking about? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if, you know, it, it's easy to fall into a depression when something like that happens. Oh, yeah. you know, it's a door that you expected to, to walk through. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, when you understand these dynamics of the fields, the field, it alters your perception. And it's then like, oh, wait, what's going on here? You know, something I need to pay attention because something else is in is coming in my journey. And I need to have my eyes open, my ears open and pay attention to what's going on around me and what I'm drawn to for my next chapter in life. Yeah. Um, but I understand that you've, you've had a, yeah, a life experience. Yeah. You, you asked, you know, prior to the recording, uh, you know, if there was a time in my life when Basically, everything was turned upside down, and that ended up being one of the biggest turning points in my life. Uh, I sent the information to you so you're aware of it, so I'll just summarize it. My, my audience has heard the story several times that, uh, you know, ever since I was 15 years old, the only thing I want to do is make the military a career. That was it. That was my my driving ambition, you know, and uh, and I was good. You know, I, I enjoyed basic training. I mean, that's how warped i was okay <laughs> i just loved doing all them push-ups and everything you know <laughs> didn't not so much at the time but you know at the same time i enjoyed the the process and, and the, how it was shaping me you know but uh you know and i just thrived in that environment you know i i mean i was promoted ahead of my peers uh you know when they sent me to the NCO Academy, I was the first person in the history of the 8th U.S. Army NCO Academy to get a 100% rating all the way through the course, you know, for the whole 38 days. Uh, 
the unit because of that they sent me up as nco the quarter i took you know the unit battalion brigade i corps uh, one nco the quarter all that then like three or four months later it was the nco of the year competition where all the quarters went for the mm-hmm. competition and i you know battalion brigade i corps as nco of the year for all of them went to eighth u.s army and i had a slide projector for my five minute presentation and a slide projector back then was high tech. Okay. This yeah, is- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. even had a higher tech. I had the little attached uh, button, you know, the like 10 foot. So I could stand away uh-huh. from the projector and push the button. I mean, it was really high tech. For yeah, me. yeah. And uh, there's like 14 slides on it. And one of the slides that worked perfect in all the rehearsals, all of the boards up there. And here I am at 8th U.S. Army. And one slide jammed. So I just walked up, you know, like we used to do, slap it, and we're good to go, right? And gave the rest of the presentation. Well, the three members of the board deducted one point each because of the malfunction. I lost by one point. I took second place, right? So I was supposed to be the NCO of the year for the entire Korea, Japan, the whole thing. And, uh, wow. but you know, it was still good. And, uh, because of that, I was selected to be a drill sergeant and, you know, during the course of time they have to have their, you know, each unit has to submit a drill sergeant for the same thing, drill sergeant of the quarter type board. And I won that for our battalion, uh, department of the army was opening up Fort uses, Virginia with a drill sergeant program. And they were taking people from all over all the different installations to more or less man the requirements for Fort Eustis. I was the only person selected from Fort Bliss to go over there. So, I mean, all these things were, you know, I mean, I was the highest you go in the army is Sergeant Major E9. I was already E6 and, you know, my, basically every button was pushed. You know, I was, I was doing well. Right. Right. One day, though, as I was finishing my third year on drill sergeant status, which that's all you can do. Uh, otherwise, they're, they're worried that you're going to have a warped mind for the rest of your life. Uh, but one day I was sitting there looking at the, the pay tables that would just come out for you know the coming year. I noticed that a sergeant major made $500 less than a captain who had four years or more enlisted time. And, you know, $500 back in the 80s, that's like, say, $1,000 today. I said, wow, that's quite a difference. And yeah. back in that time, all the, you know, if you were looking at you, it's like getting PFC in the enlisted, right? You were going to, you know, it's automatic. You just put in your time, it's automatic. Unless you get caught doing something stupid, like, you know, get caught with the general's daughter or something. But, uh, you know, so I said, well, shoot. I might as well, you know, I timed it out because I knew I only had an associate's degree. Uh, I knew I wouldn't make major because one of the requirements for majors, you had to have a bachelor's. And I mean, I could take it, but I'm, I'm looking, you know, do I really want to go that route? Uh, and I had it timed out the way the promotion boards work that captain, you get two chances, uh, six months apart. And, but you can't do it till three years in. So this is already, by the time I got my commission, I'd be at nine years. So three years put me at 12. 
Then there's a year wait while they work through the list and get people promoted and then send them to basically the advanced course is basically captain school. Uh, so that put me at year 13. Then I'd have to wait three more years before I could be selected for major. And that puts me year 16. And there's two year. There's only one major board each year. So that means at year 16, I would be selected, not make it. Year 17, be selected, not make it. Well, by that time, I would have 18 years in. And the way the regulations read at the time, if you're at 18 years, then you're retained until you hit your 20 and out you go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had it timed out. I mean, this was going to be perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, was yeah. perfect, you know. And uh, so I applied for officer candidate school, was selected, and, uh, you know, did well. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I had four merits the very first week of officer candidate school. You know, that, uh, one wow. merit erases two demerits, right? So I had mm -hmm. four merits to my credit just after the first week. And, you know, the, the TAC officer is like, nobody gets four merits here in one week. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that that I thrived in that kind of a right. right. And uh, long story short, I no sooner raised my right hand, received my commission, and they started talking about, we got too many people in the Army. You know, we, we got to look at possible reduction in force. Well, that was 1986. By 1989, they were looking at, we're going to go ahead and implement this reduction in force. And I was hoping I could get promoted before it would take effect. And uh, like I said, the two captain's boards are six months apart. First one I knew it wasn't going to make because I was I got commissioned in June, and that's when the academy graduates and the ROTC graduates graduate college, and and so I'm competing against them. Right. The new okay second one I got this. Well, I was off. I was working in the squadron uh, S3 department at the time, and in the cavalry, and I was off at a meeting somewhere. Came back at lunch to get some paperwork and go back to the afternoon session. And the major said, Colonel wants to see you. Said, okay. A list came out. I didn't make it. I know. So I went and reported. I said, Bob, he, he didn't make the list. Not a problem, sir. I got the next one. I was expecting this. We're good to go. And that's when my life fell apart. He said, the Secretary of the Army has waived the second one. There is not going to be another list. You have to go to personnel and begin out processing. And my entire career was gone. Yeah. I, mean, I had no, we, we, they didn't have the support system in place like they have today with all these people coming back from Iraq and stuff like that. Right. I found out about two years later, if I would have gone back on enlisted status, I could have kept my commission in the reserves and retired as a captain. But then oh. nobody explained that to me. Right. Right. Until like two years later. And then it was too late. And, uh, but I had 10 days notice that my entire life's aspirations were over Just and, up and it smoke. hit me hard. You talk about depression. Yeah. And there were days, you know, that, and I went into sales trying to make money just to keep going and stuff. And I was good at sales, but you know, uh, it, it was sales. You, you were there, you know yeah. what it's like. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, 
there were days when I would just go in and tell, tell my wife I'm going to take a nap and go in and close the door, close the drapes, and just lay in the bed and cry for hours. Mm. You know, mm. an alcoholic. I mean, all that stuff came to pass, you know. And just talking about it like we're doing right now, it took a good 10 years before I could even talk about it like this. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. At 12 years, I decided I had to do something. And I missed the camaraderie. I missed the mission. I missed all that. So what's the next closest thing I could do? So I applied for the police academy and was accepted. And life was great again, you know. And uh, that was going along well till May 12, 2007, uh, when I was working an accident scene on the midnight shift. Someone ignored the flare pattern. And I got bumped in the process. And that started a whole series of, you know, medical issues and surgeries and recovering from surgeries and going back and then they're saying eh, we may have to retire you you know yeah. and, uh, and you know that's when now the first part in the army i was not born again at all i was not a christian uh life circumstances brought me to christianity if, matter of fact at one point it was so bad. I was in sales, nothing being sold because the Gulf War had started. And that, that just fed into the depression because I was supposed to be there in my mind. I was yeah. supposed to yeah. be there, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, one night sitting in a little empty apartment in Columbus, Georgia, because I was trying to sell insurance. I decided I've had enough. And I was going to kill myself, basically. But I love my family. I love my little girls. So I was going to wait till in the morning because it was already 1130 at night and call them up, tell them how much I loved them. And then I was done. I was checking out. And, uh, you know, God intervened that night. My wife, when I was going to Columbus, Georgia, we lived in Louisiana at the time. Uh, she forced me to take my grandfather's Bible. Now, I couldn't even afford Furniture. It was an unfurnished apartment. The only furniture in the apartment was a folding chair, a coffee table, and my computer. I didn't have a phone. I had to use my cell phone. You know, uh, I slept on the floor. Didn't even have a mattress or anything. I just slept on the carpet with a blanket on top. And since there's no TV or anything, when I'm waiting for the phone to ring for appointments, the only thing to do is read the Bible. And in the front of my grandfather's Bible was a way to read the Bible through three times in one year. You know, I mean, three columns, even one of them would do it. So I'd column one in the morning, column two in the afternoon, column three at night when I went to bed. And when I was crying, I told God, I can't deal with this no more. I'm done. You fix this or I'm checking out. I'm I'm done. And uh, I laid down on the floor to go to sleep and the, the Venetian blind, the light was shining through the blinds on the Bible sitting on the floor. I said, oh. Forgot to read my scripture tonight. Well, if I'm going to meet God in the morning, I guess it'd be a good thing to tell him I was reading his Bible. Right? <laughs> so I open it up. And for that night, January 29th, I was supposed to read Psalms 34. Got down verse seven. And it said, the Lord has heard this poor man cry and shall deliver him from all his troubles. And immediately I felt like hot oil was being poured over me. I mean, I just started laughing, crying, and it seemed like the room lit up. And I was born again at that moment in time. And my wife had been born again for four years praying for me. So I called her at 1135 at night. She's crying now. 
And I said, I'm coming home. I can be just as broke at home with you and the kids as I can here, but I'm on my way home end of this month, a little dumpy apartment. I mean, a month to month lease. And I hadn't sold one policy all of January. Mm-hmm. That six days, it was January 25th, not January 29th. Those six days, I sold enough insurance, pay the bills in Georgia, and start catching up the bills at home. You know, but, okay. uh, and that changed the whole direction of everything. So when they started talking about, I have to retire from, retire you, medically retire you from the police department, I started praying, God, what is it you want me to do? And uh-huh. it was just so clear. Begin a weekly 30 minute online radio program. I had to have help check an email. Okay. This is not, yeah, I yeah, am not sure. technically inclined, but uh, sure. so I went to the great savior, Google, and figured out how to do it. And that led into a radio station, and then that led into being a nationwide AM radio, and that led to starting this podcast that we're doing today and, and helping other people do the same thing. So, but I look back at that career ambition. Like I said, I was on track. The Gulf War would have happened about one year. Desert Storm One would have happened one year after I was promoted to captain. Now your your first nine months or so are spent in uh, the advanced school, and then you're sent to your unit where you work in staff for a little bit until a company opens up. I should have been a troop commander in Desert One leading that. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. our unit, the unit I was in was attached to the task force. That, If you remember the history of Desert Storm 1, they did that 600-mile-in run through the middle of the desert mm-hmm. come in behind. Yeah. Our yeah. unit was attached to that task force. Wow. I should have been there. <laughs> right, right, but, right. You know, looking back at it now, I see that, you know, one, what would have happened you know, I mean, I may have been killed, may have been maimed, you know, whatever. Uh, I know for certain, 100% certainty, I would not be doing what I'm doing right now. Right. 100%. So right. that's where I, uh, I want to say, so what if I'm getting what you're saying about this quantum field and all that, basically if life hands you lemons, you need to turn it into lemonade, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason why that's a truism, right? Because it's 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 uh, it is one of the keys to life. Mm-hmm. You know that if something happens that is very disruptive or upsetting, uh, or a door closing or a window closing, you know there's a, there is a reason, and you need to look at that and think, how can I make the, the most of this, or what's next for me? So, and looking back, I mean, it's it's obviously not that you weren't supposed to be in the military. You love the military. It's what you were drawn to. And it's what you were passionate about. And so you were following that. And yeah. that's that, that was part of your path. It just, it wasn't your path to be a career, to make it a career. But there were, there were other things that were part of your, your path, your calling here, um, here, here mm-hmm. in, in this life, yeah. in this world. And nonetheless, I can't imagine, you know, what your days look like because the discipline that you didn't just learn, but you embraced, you know, from day one, from boot camp, you know, those skills and that direction and all the leadership, because the military is phenomenal at training people how to be leaders. Right. 
Yeah. Maybe. All that fed in to everything that, you, that you've done since then. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's no doubt, you know, one of the drivers uh, for your success is, you know, because you were in that environment and picked up those skills. But um, but there is there is, you know, when when it, it's it's the question that you asked when, you know, facing being retired from the police force is the right one. You know, what's going on here? What do you really want me to do? Yeah. And um, and then you just have to listen and pay attention and raise your awareness of what's going on around you, what's unfolding around you. Mm-hmm. And as you feel drawn to do things, even if they're things that may not seem to make sense, you know, you might end up meeting somebody at that activity or whatever it is, that, that direction that will end up leading to something else. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's 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 something that I mean, books have been written about that on synchronicity. Um Synchronicity is, is is just one of the results uh, from engaging with the field. The, the other one is challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, that when you step up to the plate and you say, hey, this is where I want to go. The field is aware of what you can and cannot do. And it's, and it's also aware of the role that you're trying to get to. And so you have to if and the field's not just going to say, sure, Pastor Bob, let's just let's just put you here. Right. <laughs> um, it wants you to, it knows that you need certain skills to be successful. Right. How do you learn those skills? Challenges. And so that's the other thing from working, working with the quantum field is that you'll find challenges pop up that are unexpected. Amen. But the difference, the difference when you know that it's just physical reality is that you go, when that happens, you go, oh, wait a second. Now is when I need to pay attention. You might still have anxiety, but anxiety is not, it's not going to be as bad because you're aware, oh, this is happening for a reason mm-hmm. and I need to pay attention. Yeah. Um, because whenever a challenge happens, it's not going to only lead to your own growth and expansion, uh, which could be taking a detour and going off a different direction. Mm-hmm. But for everyone you touch in that experience, you have the opportunity to help them expand and help them grow. Amen. Amen. Right. And that's 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 where once you really get the field, it changes how you approach life. It's not that. Um, uh, my book, for example, is not about boosting people up. It's not about getting people excited about something. It's about this is just the reality. When you know the reality. Then you can approach it differently. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, it it. it um, it's a, it's a paradigm shifter. Yeah, it really is. Well, I took the quiz on your website. I emailed you the results. Did you get a chance to look at that? Yes. Yes, I did. That was fun. Okay. Can you go over the results with us here on the interview so our listeners can hear how the quantum field for success works, especially in the business or corporate world as it relates to the uh, the results of the quiz and things like that? Yeah. So the, so the way the quiz is set up um, – is there's just 11 questions mm-hmm. and, and the questions are relatively short. Um, and that try, I try to keep them fun. Right. So you have some mm-hmm. fun taking the quiz, mm-hmm. but each, each choice is scored. And so then uh, at the end of it, depending upon your score, there's 10 different uh, responses that the quiz will kick out 10 different assessments and recommendations of where you're at on your journey in terms of how you're engaging with the quantum field. 
because there are some people, you know, and I'm sure you know these people, they always seem to be at the right place at the right time. Right, right. Right. Somehow they learned early or they just intuitively knew it coming into life that these are the rules of the game and here's how, and so here's what, here's what I'm going to do to, to win at this game. And so they always know what to do when to be at the right place at the right time. They're essentially practicing f- those field concepts without knowing. Mm-hmm. Just intuitively, though, oh, this, this. They know where to focus and win. Uh, and it just pulls them along through life. And as they're more successful, everyone they touch is more successful. So the quiz then sort of does this assessment of where you're at in your journey and says, well, here's some of the things you can do for next steps. You know, that sort of say, okay, well, given that this is where you're at, here's some things to think about to help you go still further. Uh, and so that's that's the that's the, the the design of the quiz, if you will. Um, so um, and does that make sense, or shall yeah. I go into the quiz no. a little bit? Yeah, no. If you want to go over it a little bit, you can. Well, in terms of in terms of your results. Um, it's it's clear and this is and this is great bob because you are a pastor so this is good <laughs> it's clear that that in terms of your journey you're actually um far along in the journey right and so from a recommendation standpoint there's there's not really um uh there there's some little so let me just go ahead and read this um so uh, this is this would be the recommended next next steps i'm reading reading uh, raise your awareness of those areas um, of your business or workplace that you feel most drawn to, and then focus on the top two to three areas. Uh, this approach will enable you to determine which area generates the most success. Then laser focus on building momentum in that area. And that verbiage is something that I, I would not write to someone who scored differently, mm. right? They're, they're at a different place and they need different sort of next steps. Mm-hmm. You, on the other hand, probably understand the concept of momentum Mm-hmm. And business and success, right? And what that takes. Actually, your military career is perfect. You know that really well in terms of what it takes to build that momentum and what's important to keep it going, right? Um, so laser focus on building momentum in, in those areas. This approach is a natural confidence booster, enabling you to pour even more energy into the new direction of your business. You know that there's going to be bumps and even failures along the way. Again, that's not something I say to in the other uh, recommendations. Uh, so con- concentrate on practicing harsh truth in order to recognize and learn from those bumps as soon as possible. Uh, so you know there's going to be bumps. And the important thing is to not have your head in the sand, but rather or, or have on rose-colored glasses. That's a better way to put it. You know, but to be have harsh truth so that you can recognize when your direction might need to change. You'll recognize it quicker. Um, and and be able to respond to that sooner. But the the other thing I want to come back to though um, here is that this approach of laser focusing on building momentum on those top couple of areas that you're drawn to um, enables you to pour more energy into the new direction of your business. The reason this is important, the reason that you know. Folks really should, even if they feel like they have a mundane job, there's probably something that they like about it. Right. Yeah. And something that they're drawn to. And so focusing on that one thing and doing it more and more and better and better uh, 
what you're doing there is you're naturally getting more excited about it. You're naturally pouring more energy to it. And what does that do? That's sending signals directly out into the quantum field. And the quantum field responds, right? So if you're tired of your job and you're bored about the whole thing, your performance is going to be flat and the field's response is going to be flat. You're excited about something and you're being more, even more productive, more expansive. It's going to see that. It's going to hear those signals and it's going to be, and it's going to respond favorably. Amen. Think about soup. Mm -hmm. If you, have you ever had soup without salt? Like oh, salt yeah. was meant. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just awful. Yeah. yeah. And so you take just a little bit of salt and put it in the soup and it makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. We're like that little piece of salt, right? This thing called the fields is massive. But it responds, and scientists have proven this, it responds to even a toaster. Hmm. You know, there, there is literally a response that they've measured in the field just from a toaster. Hmm. Amen. And so think about the amount of energy and excitement that you're pouring in. Well, that's like salt and soup. Yeah. The field's going to respond to it. It's going to respond favorably. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Appreciate right. that. And with your book, what is your, your overall purpose that you hope to accomplish with your book? Really, it's it's to do what we're doing right here, which is getting out the word and um, uh, sharing the concepts and principles and helping people understand that, hey, when bad, quote unquote, bad stuff happens, it's not bad stuff. In reality, nothing bad. Everything is a learning opportunity. And, um, and once you understand the dynamics of the field, then you can learn to recognize and sometimes even anticipate them. You, know, you can see something coming. Um, and you, others may not change their path, but you can adjust your path. Yeah. So there's all kinds of ways that you can engage the dynamics of the field. And that's really my purpose is, is, is to build a community of folks who are interested in this so, so that all of us can, can do more and more to get the word out. Um, which is why I wrote the quiz because the quiz can kind of live on its own. Yeah. Right. And, um, folks can forward it on to others. And, um, and as you do so, remember you're, you'll be exposing them to something different and their potential, whether or not they take it is, is again up to them, but yeah. the potential for them to expand is then there. Amen. Amen. So, well, John, this has been a truly interesting conversation to say the least. Good. Now, your book sounds like something everybody needs to get their hands on. How can someone obtain a copy of your book? Is it on Amazon? Yes, it's on Amazon. You can just go in and, and type my name, John J. McKee, and it'll come up or uh, leverage the field for success. Okay. And it'll come up as well. For the quiz, um, you can go to my website, mckeegroup.com, uh, and scroll down. You'll see a button there. Or you can just type um, in the uh, URL, uh, mckeegroup.com slash free quiz. And that'll bring it up too. E either way. Someone to get in touch with you to ask a question, receive more information. Maybe do an interview like this. How can they do that? How can someone get in touch with you? Uh, you can reach me through my website, or you can email me at uh, john.j.mckee. Uh, that's McKee, M-C-K-E-Y, uh, at mckeegroup.com, M-C-K-E-Y-G-R-O-U-P.com. Man, I'll put links to all this in the show notes below. Folks, as believers, we know God's in control, but despite our best efforts sometimes to control things ourselves, He's ultimately in control, but just as he created the universe and all it is, he also created quantum everything. 
physics, math, even the quantum field as described by uh, John McKee. Amen. So in this book, John actually provides the pragmatic how-tos of using the field to better your career advantages. And whether that means defining stronger progress in an individual career or raising the bar for the entire team and a business that you're in charge of, you can find something in there that's going to help you. Amen. What John's bringing to the table is a way for you to basically conceptualize and tap into the field, as he calls it, to help you learn things and grow beyond what you even thought was possible. I urge you drop down the show notes right now. Reach out to John. Go to his website. Take the quiz. Praise God. Read over the else. See if that doesn't match up with you. Be ordered to order this book, Leverage the Field for Success, Using Quantum Reality to Succeed in the Corporate World. And just click the links right there. Do it right now while you're thinking about it. And remember, the field has brought you to this podcast for this reason, for such a time as this. Amen. Take advantage of it right now. Glory to God. You never know how God's going to use this to take you to the next level or where it's where he wanted you to be all along. John, thank you for taking the time to come on the program today and talk about all of this and about your great book. I, I do appreciate it so much. Thank you. Folks, that's all the time we have for today. John J. McKee and myself has passed by reminding to be blessed. You have been listening to the Faith-Based Business Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. We appreciate you as a listener and fellow believer and want to encourage you in your entrepreneurial efforts. These programs are designed to provide you with information that you can use in your business to achieve success faster and avoid the obstacles that try to impede your success. All information on this podcast is for entertainment and information use only. Some of the products and services listed in the links may contain affiliate links and Pastor Bob will earn a small commission when you click those links at no additional cost to you. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll be notified when our next episode is published. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, or 
faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.